Wait, 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 wait. This is my podcast, and I do introductions for a living. I don't need the big voice. Uh, I can handle it from here. Hit the music. It's actually crazy. Joe Mama's was actually my favorite place. Mine too. <laughs> that's, that's why I had to draw because I yes. miss it. Yeah, there goes the they neighborhood. They were just my favorite. The now week, you're going to have to move out of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Here we go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Matt Fargo Show. I'm your host, Matt Fargo. I know what, what gave that away. Excited for this edition of the show. Uh, have a great a uh, Pittsburgh basketball star, former Pittsburgh basketball star, played professional basketball overseas. Ashton Gibbs will join me on this edition, and um, I'm excited about to talk about them. We're recording this during the weekend that would be, that would have been, the NCAA Final Four leading up to the national championship and, and the uh, culmination of that one shining moment video that we're all not going to get to see this year. So, I'm um, going to get to talk a little hoops with him. I, I did this up by accident, I think. Um, but the first episode had Wes Euler on, talked a lot of NFL, talked a lot of uh, COVID-19, coronavirus. Um, and then second episode, Michael McHenry coming on and talking baseball and now getting to talk basketball. So I guess the next episode should be about hockey, I, I would assume. So maybe I'll do that. We'll We'll, we'll figure it out. Because um, I know there's a lot of uh, the Penguins fans that are yearning for some for some Penguins talk, and um, if they do resume the NHL season, I know um, you know it's the Penguins are going to be one of the front runners to to try to go after another cup. So um, maybe I'll do that. We'll we'll see. We'll, we'll, if we don't get it on the next episode, we'll get it on the one after. Just so we're um, we're trying to please everyone on this podcast is really the the goal. But um, I think it's just been interesting that you know we're going to miss out on, and as we get deeper and deeper into this, we're going to miss out on so many of those those big moments as far as what the summer means, what the spring is all about. You know, um, this is also last week would have been uh, the home opener for the Pirates, um, and and if anybody, those of you who know me, know how special the home opener is. Uh, regardless of how good or bad the team is, the Pirates are probably uh, going to be good for about 60, 65 wins this year, I, I'd imagine. Um, I think, you know, 75 would be a, a, a win and a bonus. But, um, you know, that the fact that, you know, the opening day is not happening. I don't I don't get to pay my my eight or nine dollars and go and grab a beer and sit sit at PNC Park. And PNC is one of those places, at least for me, that I just enjoy going to. And enjoyed the the atmosphere is I go to probably like twenty games a year somewhere in that somewhere in that area give or take and um, there's there's games I'm intently watching and that you you can't you can't pull me out of my seat and there's games that I'm with a bunch of friends and there's beers going around and we're having a good time so um, and I'm not paying attention at all to the game I, I couldn't even tell you the final score so I, I like that I like the fact that baseball has as many games you could never do that at a at a Steelers game there's there's not enough of them you need to be uh, they're too important each one is too important for you to like not pay attention fully and um, that's sort of the way that it is at Penguins games but I feel like you know I go to a lot less of those uh, throughout a regular season so I like to be I like to be locked in 
maybe I'll do that for like a preseason game, not pay attention as much. But um, I think that, you know, those are the things that we're missing out on from the sports world. But even like for me, country music season, concert season is is almost here. And, um, you know, we're, we're eyeing up some of those concerts not going to be happening or at the very least um, going to be delayed and postponed where maybe we're going to have a lot of fall concerts, which I guess wouldn't be the end of the world, but um, would be still different to just not have that. Because I think that's the big thing with all this is this isn't a switch. Like once we get over and and we're, we're going to slowly go back to normal, it's not going to be a switch where it's flipped on and everything goes back. And I, I think that sporting events and concerts are going to be the last two things to come back. So, um, you know, there's, there's articles out there that are saying that this is going to go deep into August. This is going to go deeper into September and October even. Um, and, and there's also things that are being said that like, there's going to be a second wave of this that comes around in the fall. So uh, all of that is, is scary stuff. And I, I feel like, you know, as, as much as we're going to be positive and talk about sports and the good days and what's to come eventually. Um, I, I'd, I'd be, it'd almost be ridiculous to not talk about what we're all experiencing because I don't think that, um, there's been anything of recent memory, at least that everyone is experiencing something revolving around this, um, in one way or the other, whether it be your job to be more frugal with, with what you have and, uh, what you're spending, whatever that may be, um, whether it's your, your kids are now home and you're, you're uh, spending a lot more quality time with them, uh, whatever, whatever the case is, we're all being affected by it. And I say that because um, it, it's been interesting for me um, and, and something that I, I will talk about and I, I'll, I'll kind of brush the surface with it here, but I didn't want to talk about it on the first episode because you know we're, we're, we're all dealing with heavy stuff as it is, but uh, back in August, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. I was the announcer for the Harlem Globetrotters. I was out on tour when it happened, and I took a red eye back. It was a quick decision for me. I was immediately back in Pittsburgh um, to to be there with my family for for that, and uh, went on leave and and went through leave. And then at the at the end of leave, you know, you can't be on leave forever. Um, had to make a decision to either. Uh, go back and my mom still wasn't better at that point. Luckily now she's in remission and, and progressing and getting better. But um, I had to make a decision. I did make that decision. It was a no brainer. I'm a, I'm a family first guy and uh, made it and stuck with it. But at the same time, like I knew that I was making a, a sacrifice of my career and had no idea what was going to be next for me. And um, if anyone, you know, However we are, wherever you are in your profession, in your career, you're, there's steps. And you, and I thought the Globetrotters for me was a huge step as far as I might even skipped a few steps to get to that position. Um, and I think I maybe can go on a more of a, a tangent about how I got that job on another future podcast. But I, I also think that, you know, we got to make decisions for our family and um, you know, some of them are, you know, you're, I knew I was never going to regret coming back. I was only going to regret not coming back. So when I came back, I just started doing freelance work and doing a lot of the stuff that I was doing prior to, to getting the Globetrotters job, announcing at Our Lady of Sacred Heart High School. Um, I was uh, announcing at Geneva College, both basketball, both of their basketball programs, Olshin, Geneva had great years this year. Um, Geneva uh, went to the PAC championship. Olshin's uh, still trying to win a state championship. 
for the boys. The boys won a WPL championship there, second one in a row. Um, so I was, I was having fun doing that freelancing, doing some, uh, voiceover stuff and some, some fun stuff on, on froggy radio, if you've caught that. Um, so I was, I was enjoying all of that. And obviously then this, this happened, the COVID happened and, um, all of those freelance opportunities went away. So like a lot of people, um, you're, you're wondering what, what's going to happen and how long is this going to last? Where, where are we going to turn to and how long is it going to be before things get back to normal? Most notably, I think, when do, when do we go back to our jobs? And I think maybe we've probably taken that for granted that, you know, we, that we have those opportunities, especially if you're doing something that you enjoy. Um, I, I love what I do. Um, even at the high school level, at the globetrotter level, doing semi-pro wherever I am, um, you know, covering division one basket, it doesn't matter. Like I, I truly jo- enjoy what I do. And in a lot of ways, my job is my like escape, my getaway from whatever else is going on in my life. So not having that is kind of a, a shock. And I was kind of like a lot of people, oh, what am, what am I going to do? Like, um, what's, what's my purpose of getting up in the morning if I don't have what I love to do, which I, what I, what I consider my hobby and my job. So I, um, I, I was asking that question, like I'm sure a lot of people were asking themselves and out of nowhere, out of absolute thin air, I was contacted about doing some simulated basketball games and I really didn't know the, the story behind it. I had later learned that it was a company called Mischief who it does ultra viral um, different things. They do viral videos and um, they do they did Jesus sandals. They also made a a, a Google uh, Hangout, a Google extension where you can go online. I think it's still active. It's like NetflixHangout.com. Don't quote me on that, but if you Google it, it will come up. Um, and it's a an extension where if you're at work and you don't want to work, you want to watch Netflix, which, you know, I don't, I'm not saying don't slack off, but there's a time and a place, I guess. And they made this extension that you can watch Netflix and it looked like you're on like a Google Hangout or a, a Zoom call or you're on a conference call, but you're really, one of the screens is is your next Netflix videos. So I thought that was really creative. So they come up with this idea that they're going to stream the remaining NBA games on a site called mba.fm and they're going to broadcast them as if they were live actually happening at the time that they would happen with real broadcasters painting the picture um front to back um and 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 doing these games and I was contacted did my first game and like the guy said this is exactly what I wanted I have like 24 more games for you to do and and like as a broadcaster and I'm sure any you could relate this to wherever your career is, that if you had nothing and then you got an abundance of what you were missing out on, like I have a reason to get up every morning now to to go do these games and do my research. And, and it really feels like not a lot has changed in the sense I'm, I'm calling probably more games than I would be calling if everything was normal and kind of feel in a lot of ways guilty about it because I know especially again, taking it back to just my career from the broadcast world. No one has work right now. The highest guy at Fox, Joe Buck isn't getting work right now. And, you know, obviously still getting paid, but those guys aren't getting work. And I know that they enjoy their craft as much as I do mine. So um, in in a way I, I feel guilty. 
in a way, um, I feel blessed because, you know, I, I was kind of questioning what was going to happen in the, in the next weeks and months um, from that. So I think, a, you know, a perspective thing of maybe using this time, and I think I bring this up later, um, maybe using this time uh, to keep moving when, when the world is paused, to, to use this time, whether it's getting better physically, whether it's getting better mentally, actually having, you have the time now to, to maybe think about things a little bit more, a little bit harder, um, and, and just kind of trying to improve yourself. So when everything does get turned back on that, you weren't just sitting dormant, um, during this whole time. I think that's important because it's so easy to just sit on the couch and, and watch Netflix and just kind of wait for this to, to all blow over. Um, you know, certain people are like that and certain people aren't. So, um, I, I think that's all interesting. And this NBA.FM thing is the most bizarre um, concept. Um, the first broadcast that I did with them had over 800,000 people tune in, um, which is just crazy. I, I think more people listen to that broadcast than have ever listened to me call a game in my career and maybe in, in combined in my career. The only game that I could even venture a guess that could have gotten close to that would have been uh, the Globetrotter ESPN special that I did my first year with the Globetrotters. It was outside live from, uh, or not live, it was taped, but it was from uh, Venice Beach. We did a game on Venice Beach. They put a, they have a court out there, um, and we uh, we just started a game. It was free to the public to to show up, so the crowd was packed and um, had uh, had all the ESPN uh, paraphernalia there, and it was it's a pretty cool experience, but. That's the only thing that I could even think would remotely get close to the amount of hits that that this NBA FM thing. And it's also been cool to bring um, on some some friends, Josh Taylor, who um, you'll hear on this podcast, I'm sure, more than once. Um, surprised he hasn't been on yet, but he will be. Um, he uh, has done a lot of the games with me. I brought on a, a good friend of mine, Zach Heller. Um, who I called uh, his high school career. He came on and was an intern uh, for me with Champ Sports Network when I was running that. Um, not a broadcaster. He's he's at, out in New York doing big things, but he's uh, home right now. And he came on and did um, one of the broadcasts for NBA.FM. So that was cool. And then um, my guest for this podcast, Ashton Gibbs, uh, former Pitt great, played basketball at the University of Pittsburgh, a Jersey guy. Um, but uh, had a really fantastic career. I think uh, one is one of the all-time great point cards in uh, pit, in pit history, and certainly has the the resume to back that up. Played professionally overseas. Um, has a younger brother right now playing at uh, Notre Dame, about to graduate. Um, so yeah, the, just getting those some of those guys some work as well. Like the fact that I got blessed with an opportunity to do the NBA FM games, and then I get an opportunity to to help a couple other guys out that are in um, a similar boat. Uh, that that's something that you know I I want to if I have the opportunity to do I want to do. So um, that kind of leads me into uh, to this interview portion of the show. So when we come back, um, Ashton Gibbs will join me on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll step aside and he'll join me when we come back to the Matt Fargo show. Stick around.
Welcome back to the Matt Fargo Show. My guest this episode starred at the University of Pittsburgh when he was towed in the rock at the Pete, played professionally overseas, and good friend of mine, Ashton Gibbs, joins me on the show. Ashton, thanks for taking some time out. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. Uh, I'm happy to have you. I was just talking in the first uh, part of the show about NBA FM and the craziness that has uh, consumed my life in one of the weirder jobs that I've ever had. And I, I brought you into my weird job. <laughs> I've done that a couple of times now. <laughs> We've called some high school basketball in the past and stuff. But um, what, what was your take from uh, experiencing uh, doing the NBA FM stuff? Oh, that was big time. Just to, <laughs> just to do an NBA game, it's Even it's, if it's, it's fake, real. it felt real, it right? It felt real. Everything, <laughs> the crowd being into it, the players – and and it's so fast paced. I, yeah. I, I had a good time. No, that is it's it's so crazy that uh, I was even saying like more people listen to me call fake basketball than have ever <laughs> listened to me call real basketball. That is not the case for you. More people have watched you play real basketball than will listen to you than listen to you call basketball. But no one's playing real basketball right now. So I think as as a former player, as a current coach, you're a current coach at, at Duquesne University now. What What is your mindset on uh, basketball being paused? Obviously, you have a couple different aspects of this, looking at this as as if you were a player and this happened, and looking at it from a current state, being a coach and coaching a team that had their aspirations of making the, the NCAA tournament. It's a tough time right now, tough time for the players. It's a tough time for the coaches. Uh, can't do much, you know, especially with the NCAA rules and regulations. So, but I, I think, especially what, what I tell my players is, this is a time to separate yourself and really keep, uh, keep on the grind and really separating yourself to get to an elite level uh, individually and even as a team. We do a great job of uh, having conference calls uh, every week and uh, staying in touch with the guys. And I think, even though it's a tough time, uh, the right guys and the right coaches can take advantage of the of the time. For I sure. think that's something that we probably could all take away from that, even as just people. Like, they don't need to be an athlete to, like, this, this you know, shelter in place is so easy to get lost in and kind of just sit on the couch and eat potato mm -hmm. chips and, like, wait for everything to go back to normal. But how many times in, in the world's history do you literally get to pause the world and still try to get better? Like, you still have the capability, whether that's, athletically or physically, mentally getting strong. Maybe uh, you're in a great position to maybe get financially strong mm -hmm. and, you know, things are going that way. God bless you if you're in that position. But, you know, just taking maybe that, that the pause and not necessarily pausing your own life because the world around us has stopped. I think that's something we could all take away. Oh, for sure, for sure. No excuses, uh, not being complacent and really keeping your mindset the same and even increasing it. Uh, to an extent, um, just because you you know your competition, a lot of guys are really taking it easy, sitting right. on the couch, like you said. So the guys that really separate themselves and and do the two a days, three a days, the coaches that really lock in on film right now, probably will uh, see a big difference once everything starts back up. So obviously, from the college side, you know that nothing's going to happen. The season's over, and and you move on. Um, at least in the state of Pennsylvania, from the high school side, everything's still on pause, which I think is an interesting thing because now if things do resume, which is a huge if, but if they do resume, you're not only going to get a couple days' notice that, okay, we're going to resume and 
we're going to start the right now the state playoffs are in the quarterfinals. So three rounds away, three rounds to, to the state championship. So players really need to stay on it because if they have an opportunity to go and play the rest of these games, no matter what style, you know, whether they play two games at once or, you know, try to shorten the season, depending on we could be in June before these games are played. But what a time for a teenager to, you know, essentially be off school. You're probably online learning for a couple hours a day. And now you get this opportunity where you still need to make, like, go put shots up sure. because there's that possibility you could be playing in the biggest games of your high school career still. Yeah, it's the unknown <laughs> at the end of the day. So, like we said, it's about who's really putting in the work consistently day in and day out uh, because you never know. You never know when that time is going to come. And I think those high school guys, this is a really, this is really a big time for high school guys and even college guys and even pros to really separate themselves mentally, I think, even yeah. watching film. And you have so much time on your hands where you can More than ever, really, even in the offset season. More than ever. You're, you're just so you're up and running, fast-paced. Uh, this never happens, man. So I'm going to ask you, um, you're, I'm going to take you back. Uh, you're at the University of Pittsburgh. It's your senior year, and this happens. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, obviously your senior year didn't go the way that the Panthers wanted it to. You ended up in the CBI, though, and won. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll take you back there. Maybe the situation's different. Maybe it's the same. But what do you do? You get the, – there, is there a chance that they're, they're going to allow players to come back for another year of eligibility or not? I know that that's been up in the air. Do you, what, what do you do if you're that player, your senior, and this happens? Do you come back for your senior year? Or, or do you do you graduate and move on? For me, I just love the college experience so much that I probably will come back. I love the University of Pittsburgh and everything it uh, stands for. Um, so I, I love the experience. But at the same time, part of me kind of would have looked at leaving as well. Um, but hindsight's twenty twenty, man. Right. And it's, it's one of those things where you just never know. But right. I know one thing. I, I was very good at taking advantage of opportunities. So whatever opportunity I got, whether I was at home, at Pitt, whatever the situation is, I tried to take advantage of my opportunities always. You're a Jersey guy, and you come to Pittsburgh. Uh, why stay in Pittsburgh? You stayed after you graduated. Obviously, you went overseas and played, but now you call Pittsburgh home. Why Why Pittsburgh? Uh, what, did it leave that much of an impression on you? Oh, for sure. It was a sports city. Uh, met my wife here, kids. I, I just love everything about Pittsburgh. It's, it's small, but still big enough where everybody knows you. You can, it's a lot of connections here, but I just loved Pitt. I, I really love the University of Pittsburgh. And Do you still get recognized? Uh, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I used to, especially in college and right after. Now I'm, I'm considered the older guy, so yeah. I, I kind of stray away and people kind of walk What's right past your, me. like, greatest like hey i know you story did you like ended up getting like free food at the at uh what joe mama's was there uh, back then <laughs> at, at, uh, there in oakland uh, do you have any of those like good stories as far as like oh you, you play and so it's actually crazy joe mama's was actually my favorite place to mine eat. too <laughs> that's so that's why i had to draw because i yes, miss it i was a big <laughs> pasta guy and right. it's still am for sure but joe mama's i would go at least once a week minimum no minimum kidding. once a week um and we always got free food just from just being on scholarship yeah but 
every I was a known. Trust me, every single every single week they knew I was coming in one of those days <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's too funny. But just in general, uh, probably Joe Mamas. I would say yeah. just being uh, being a regular at Joe Mamas was definitely a, a strong point for me. Um, you know, people obviously talk about uh, the infamous game Madison Square Garden and Ashton Gibbs versus Kemba Walker and cardiac Kemba that that last second shot. Um, how much do you get asked about it? I know, I know you can't like the day that it comes up on the calendar, someone's guaranteed to tweet it to you, uh, right? For sure. With social media right now, I get <laughs> I get asked about it almost uh, a couple times a year. But since I'm still in Pittsburgh, yeah. I'm still in the coaching field. I'm in the basketball field. I mean, it's I mean at least once a month somebody starts talking about. What do you remember about that game? And um, obviously, what gets overshadowed is how well you played in that yeah. game. But what what do you remember about that game? And maybe about that last set, few seconds. I just remember New York, Madison Square Garden. It's nothing like it. Yeah. Um, I'm back home. I live about a half hour, forty minutes from. Uh, New York City, uh, my family, everybody was there, front row. I could see them, every possession. And then me and Kimba actually grew up together, so right. it's, a, it's actually crazy that he would hit that shot. But <laughs> it was a tough shot. Um, he actually didn't even play well the entire game. Yeah. And just towards uh, the end of the game, down the stretch, he just made some big plays, and that's who he was. Did you have any good battles with him growing <laughs> up playing? So, believe it or not, Kemba wasn't great growing up. He was very underrated. Uh, he was a smaller guard. Um, he kind of made his way, made his name towards his junior, senior year uh, in high school, and that's really where he separated himself from <laughs> the pack. And uh, I, it's a testament to his hard work. Um, he's one of the most humble guys, humble superstars, especially right now uh, that I know. And I'm happy for him, man. He's in a great position. No question about it. Uh did uh, what was your what was your favorite memory? You know, we everybody talks about that one. What was your favorite memory at Pitt? What was your favorite game? Favorite favorite moment? <clears throat> favorite moment was probably the West Virginia game, just because <laughs> it was the back backyard brawl. Yep. But at the same time, a lot of a lot of their guys I grew up with with the Truck Bryans, Deshaun Butlers, uh, Kevin Jones. We were all from that New Jersey New York area, so. It was, uh, you know, it's the backyard brawl, it's the rivalry game, Pitt versus West Virginia, but at the same time, it's the bragging rights of New York, New Jersey within the game. Yeah, and then you make the the move that uh, I feel like there's just been so many uh, cross pollination. How about that? Uh, <laughs> uh, between Pitt and Duquesne, you know, obviously Bill Hillgrove went to Duquesne, and he's the voice of the Pitt Panthers, uh -huh. and you, there's a hundred different examples of it, and you're just another one of them. Um, the opportunity to work under uh, Coach Dambrot at Duquesne, uh, that had to be a pretty cool opportunity that you, you've taken advantage of. Oh, for sure, man. He's he's one of the best coaches that I've been around. And uh, not only on the court, but off the court. He's one of those guys, he's big into relationships, uh, not only with uh, the guys, with the players, but the coaches as well. We're very, uh, very close, and we treat each other like family, and they welcome me with open arms. Uh, it's tough being – uh, at Duquesne, especially playing at Pitt, you know, I hear about it all the time. Right. At the same time, it was an opportunity that presented itself, and I took advantage of it. Now, between Pitt and Duquesne, uh, you went ventured over and played overseas um, with my travels with the Globetrotters and, and me meeting some players that have that played overseas. I know how of an interesting um, experience that it can be. 
What it, what are some moments that you remember uh, as far as playing over there? Obviously, it's a it's a totally different ball game than it is in the NBA over here. Oh, for sure, it's definitely different. It's it's actually really physical. Yeah. Um, and I, that was probably the biggest thing how physical it was compared to college, um, especially being in the Big East. Uh, Pitt was known as a you know tough, grinded out type of team, and uh, my first year, especially in Greece. Uh, just getting bumped, going through the lane, especially being a shooter, I really had to get a lot stronger. Um, and then off the court, I would say my palate definitely changed. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was a chicken fingers and yeah. hamburgers yep. type of guy at Pitt in college, and then went over there and started getting into different. Seafoods. What's your What's your favorite? Uh, well, in Greece, yeah. I was a steak guy, so oh, I was yeah. huge in into steak. Um, and then different seafoods. It's right on the water, so right. all types of fish, all types of salmon. It was, it was good. It was a great experience, man. How many countries have you been to? Do you know? Probably at least nine or ten. Do you, I, I do you have know. a favorite? Uh, I would say Greece was one of my favorites. Belgium, yes. was unbelievable. Brussels, uh, Brussels? right? I was right outside of Brussels. Okay. Yep, in a small city called Willowbrook. And um, Belgium was definitely really nice. Believe it or not, Lebanon was really nice. I went to Beirut. I played in Beirut, Lebanon. Um, I've been I've been around the globe, man. It's, <laughs> uh, it's definitely I'm definitely humbled and, and grateful for everything I've been through. I mean, it, as exciting as it is to get the chance to play at the NBA level, I think it's so more so much more unique to play overseas and get to travel and get to be all those places. You know, reality is the NBA guys are getting they're gonna play within the uh what 30 some states that there are 29 yep. some states not mm-hmm. a little less than that um so to to be able to travel i think is it really changes your perspective for on sure. come when you come back home doesn't it for sure i'm definitely uh, a lot more cultured i eat different foods um and i'm able to talk to different people um i'm actually i picked up spanish i played in spain i played in the dominican republic um, so I'm not fluent, but I can kind of talk my way through it through Spanish. Um, but mainly just I, I'm, I'm able to talk to different people from all facets, facets of life. And that's the probably the biggest thing I got from playing overseas. What is uh, Ashton Gibbs advice to uh, a teenager, maybe a younger brother? Because I know you have two of those. Um, someone like that, that the thing that you did do that you would advise them to also do, and maybe the thing you didn't do that you wish you did? I would say what I did do was just being the most consistent, and that that only was not on the court but off the court, um, protecting your brand, and everywhere you go, just, you know, greeting people, uh, because you never know when you, you know, you you might come into contact with them again. So I, I tell my guys that even at Duquesne was protect your brand, not only on the court, uh, but off the court greeting and signing autographs, whatever it is, uh, taking pictures, you know, try not to turn away anybody and always be a nice person, always be a nice guy, regardless of how good of a player you are. And uh, one thing I, I think I could have gotten better at was um, it's a tough one, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> just in general, I, I tried to do everything the right way, um, to be honest with you. But I would say probably opening it up to the fans even more. Um, social media wasn't as big. Yeah. But even talking to fans uh, before and after games and really embracing with the younger fans and kind of get them to understand the landscape of pit basketball. I think that's something that, you know, is obviously social media has 
aided in mm-hmm. and making players more accessible to fans and stuff like that. But I also think is the best players are the ones who realize that as we're experiencing right now, if there are no fans, there are no games. Mm-hmm. So if you're appreciative to the, the people that are buying the tickets, the tickets. And, 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 and sitting in the seats, then, you know, you're, you're, that's job security yes. in a lot of ways. You know, it, it, treating a fan the same way you would treat the team owner kind of makes sense in a lot of ways. For sure, for sure. And that's what I tell, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of players, a lot of younger players, whether, you know, they're in middle school, high school, it doesn't matter. Always, you know, just greet people and always be nice and just be grateful. It's your perspective on life at the end of the day. Protect your brand and, uh, you know, that's the way it is. Toughest player you played against, top Pro- to bottom. You could even throw it into to, uh, to the professional I played, ranks. I played against a lot of good players, <laughs> you did. man. We I were just say, talking on the broadcast of how many that yeah. you, you went up against. and. Um, I would say probably Kyrie would probably be the toughest. We we grew up in New Jersey together. But Kimba's right there. Right. Uh, what, what he did, you know, at UConn was unbelievable. And now he's a superstar in the NBA. So it would have to be between Kyrie, Kimba. Um, and I played against John Wall in high school. So John Wall was number one pick, man. He's big time. Yeah. So, um <sighs> Pick your poison with those <laughs> those three guys, man. So, I would probably say Kyrie. He's, okay. he's big time. I mean, I, you I, really can't go wrong yeah, with any of those. Yeah, he can't go wrong. He's, he doesn't have a weakness to me, man. He can go right, go left. He's fast. He can shoot the ball. And he's showing it in the NBA. Who did you have uh, if the brackets would have come out? Who would you have uh, penciled in there as your champion? Ah, that's a tough one. <laughs> I, was, I was a big Louisville guy this year. I just think they had the veteran leadership. I, I respect their coach, Chris Mack. I think he's a really good coach. Um, I would probably say them or the or Duke. Uh, I was a you know Duke fan just because Vernon Carey's really good. Um, G is so underrated when it comes to the NCAA tournament, and I mean the atmosphere, every the bright lights. The fans, whether it's the pictures and then the autographs, and then it's—I just feel like it's a different energy that you can't simulate at all. Yeah. And it's one thing to see it, but it's one thing just to be in it and play in the actual game. It's—it's it's surreal, man, and it's something that I'll never take for granted, and uh, I'll always remember for sure. JB Dixon is such a hot, cold uh, topic in Pittsburgh. People that still love him, people that still. Uh, did not like him when he was here and still don't. I think I think it's almost kind of like uh, uh, Pittsburgh fans are just they're, – they're diehard. But I also think, you know, the longer that you are have left Pittsburgh, people tend to appreciate what you did. Mm-hmm. The Bill Cower effect. I think people hated Bill Cower as a Steelers coach mm-hmm. when he was here, wins the Super Bowl the year before he retires. And now, like, you know, he's getting into the Hall of Fame and, like, people, like, literally could kiss his feet if he walked into the room. <laughs> and that certainly was not the case. Even when, after he'd won the Super Bowl, it wasn't the case. And I think Mike Tomlin gets treated that way. I say all that to say a lot of people feel the same way about Jamie Dixon. What did you uh, – what was your experience with him? One of the best coaches I've – probably the best that I've been around just because he was such a perfectionist. Um, he held everybody accountable and – he just knew his X and O's, I think, top notch. I think he was a really, really good coach. Um, un- still underrated to me, to be honest. Yeah. And I think he's one of the best coaches in college. And uh, he was just such a perfectionist. Every little detail, 
he made sure he accounted for. And that's why I think we were such a good team is because we were always prepared to the next level. I think it's funny, you know, Pitt hasn't gone to an NCAA tournament board since he's left. Mm -hmm. You know, the grass isn't always greener in, in that sense of, as far as, you know, I, I think there's also a time where there's needed a change of scenery. And I think Jamie kind of needed that. And I think Pitt needed that. Um, and, you know, it, it certainly wasn't uh, Mr. Stallings. That was not – that wasn't what was needed. But Pitt was able to get through that, but get on the other side of it. And I think, um, you know, they have a, the bright future ahead of them in, in rebuilding. Um, what, what have you made a, of Duquesne's, um, you know, trance to, to prominence? The fact that you guys – this year didn't have a home mm -hmm. and were what the la one of the last three teams undefeated in the country this year yeah we, we we had a great season man I'm so proud of our guys um our coaching staff Keith Danbra man he he did a great job of preparing the guys and at the same time our guys were so locked in day in and day out and it started in practice if you watch the practice they were really locked in um we did a great job with scouts, and it carried over to almost every game. And uh, even some games we lost, I thought we still played well enough to win. Um, and it's just – it's going to carry over to next year. We, we lose one guy, and I think we're, we're going to have a great season, I think, next year for sure. How's, uh, how's little brother doing over at uh, Notre Dame? He's doing well, man. He's, he just graduated. Well, he's graduating uh, in a few weeks. I right. don't know if he's going to be able to walk, but, you know, he was – he was kind of sad about that, but at yeah. the same time, he's getting ready to play professionally, whether that's in the NBA or overseas, um, and he's taking advantage of this time right now, getting stronger, making sure uh, his handle's right, he's shooting the ball well, but um, he's doing well. He's in good spirits, man. He's in good spirits. Who wins in a pickup game against the brothers? Um, I'm never going against myself, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's the right even answer. Though I, even though I that finished is the right playing, answer. man, I, I uh, still have the confidence to play. And, <laughs> I, I kind of just I, – I'm always going to go with myself. Okay, so when you guys were growing up, you know, you, you're the older brother, so are you mm -hmm. dominating? Like, oh, yeah, I'm dominating. Man. Okay. I, I couldn't let couldn't let them beat me. They might <laughs> they might say something else, but at the same time <laughs> – We're going to have to get never, them to confirm this. But it was a big thing with my dad that – my dad trained us for years, and as we started to get older, there was so many fights in the backyard that we had a rule going into when I was going into high school that we weren't allowed to play one on one. It, <laughs> no it, got, it got to a different level because we would get to the dinner table, nobody <laughs> would talk, and it would just change the whole dynamic of the family. And, the, and my mom started going crazy, so we kind of ended the one on ones. After That's that. funny. Yeah, you know, he he just said no, no more one on one. No so what one would you? How would you guys play? We just work out together. Okay. But it just put never, shots up. Just put shots up. Work on our handle, finishing, and just it, it was one of those things. We would always play against other people, but never against each other. So now take me back to that hoop. Now tomorrow, for example, social distancing included. Mm -hmm. Who who wins today versus back then? Uh, if that allows it. If that allows it, <laughs> I'm still gonna find a way to win. Okay. You know? <laughs> I'm going to find a way. I'm not in the, the best shape right now, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, I still have the IQ, so I'm going to find a way one way or another. What What is your, like, number one – what's your, your attribute? We're, we're talking video game-wise. What's your, what's your best attribute as a player? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you said IQ. Is that it? Probably the IQ. I'm definitely going to go with the IQ. I, I had to be – 
a high IQ guy because I wasn't athletic. I was able to shoot the ball, but being a six-one guard in the Big East, you <laughs> almost have to pick your spots and know where you're going. I was very good in the details and uh, you know picking picking spots, and I did a really good job. Well, my coaches did a good job of uh, the scouts, and I paid attention so much, and I knew um, that's what I had to do really to separate myself. So I kind of attacked that. I'm going to go backtrack. Uh, you mentioned Joe Mamas as your your place to go at in Oakland. Obviously, it's no longer there. So where's your, your where's your Pittsburgh spot? I feel like I'm always ending with where do you where do you like to eat because uh, you know. So I'm important. a I, I'm a big Thai guy. Actually. Okay. I love yeah. Thai food. So Nikki's Thai Kitchen. Um, nice. Two places, one in the North Shore, one downtown. Um, that's probably my favorite food. Uh, I'm a, also a big Mad Mex guy. I love Mad Did Mex. you see that they brought back the Gobbleritos during the – I heard about that. Yes. I heard. I that's heard exciting. That. <laughs> Have you had one? I haven't had oh, one, Oh, my goodness. I'm I feel mad. like we need to, like, make you do it on the podcast uh, so you can give we, a live review. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that at any time. I'm, because uh, we've said that, I remember – you told me you've never had a permandi sandwich. No, I haven't. Unbelievable. I haven't. Believe, it, believe it or not, I haven't. So had that permandi. those two things need to happen. Let's do it. The, Let's do it. I'm all for it. The next time we have you on, <laughs> you're going to have already had a bad scoblerito <laughs> and a I'll, and a permandi I'll sandwich. Give you, I'll a give you a review for sure. I, that needs to happen. <laughs> we'll make it happen. All right, Ashton. Thanks so much for taking the time. I'm always good to catch up with you. And uh, looking forward to our, our broadcast calls for some NBA.FM oh, games sure, coming man. up. Thanks for having me. All right. Ashton Gibbs joins me here on the Matt Fargo Show. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this. All right. Thanks to Ashton for taking time out today. To join me on this edition of the Matt Fargo Show. And before we wrap this edition up, I have to set the record straight. I made a mistake. And I apologize for it. It has gotten a lot of uh, national and international attention. That I mentioned in the first episode. We were Wes and I were talking about which bars we were going to save. If we had the opportunity, money note was no object. Which bar would we save? And I, I left one off my list. And, and it, it's, it's been beating me up that I haven't been able to, to set this record straight. So I would save, in addition to the ones that I mentioned in the first prod, podcast, you're going to have to go back and listen to it. I would save social at Bakery Square as well. I'm hopefully that the people that got upset during this, uh, this, this lapse in judgment... I hope that they understand and I corrected it. I said it for the record that I would also save social. Shout out to those guys. Great people over there um, at social. So that's going to be the way that this podcast ends. There's another one eventually that will uh, be in your ears at some point. But thanks for taking the time out. Hopefully it killed an hour of your quarantine session. And uh, we will talk to you to the next time to the next time. I'll work on speaking, and we'll talk to you next time on the Bad Fargo Show.